0: March 15th, 2004, a woman by the name of Karen Watson, who was serving to bring fresh water to Mosul, Iraq, was sitting in the back of the truck and in a drive-by shooting was shot in the back and killed along with three others. She was a missionary in the Southern Baptist uh, missions work at her, at her, in her, um, kind of biography, and in, in her funeral, this is uh, what was said in the newspaper, said, "'Friends and fellow worshipers in Bakersfield, California, described her as a warm, fun-loving, open-hearted woman who joined the church seven years ago and spent her vacations doing missionary work in El Salvador, Mexico, Macedonia, and Kosovo before going to Iraq. She spent much of her time helping restore schools that had been used as ammunition dumps during the wars.'" When it became public knowledge that Karen Watson had passed away uh, doing missions work, relief work in Iraq, the, the president of the Southern Baptist uh, Missions Organization said this. He said, media and culture, they just don't get it. Why would anyone go to a place where their lives would be at risk? We have all succumbed to a culture and a philosophy where it is all about us. It's all about our comfort, all about our security, all about our future in this life. They never understand that there is something worth giving your life to. There is a purpose that's worth dying for. But the world doesn't understand that. No one becomes obedient to the point of giving their life through a sense of obligation just because Jesus told them to go. You are driven by a passion in your heart for a lost world. Karen Watson, before she left for Iraq, she wrote a note to her pastors that was only to be opened upon her death if she happened to die on the mission field. And it said this, said, Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this in the event of death. There are no regrets, she wrote in capital letters. She said, The missionary heart, and I wrote this, I have this on the slides, The missionary heart cares more than some think is wise. The missionary heart risks more than some think is safe, it should say. The missionary heart dreams more than some think is practical. It expects more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. She went on to say, There's no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too, and my church family in his care. Salam, Karen. For you and I, for some of us, our mission is very close. It is all around us. It's where you're going to spend this afternoon. It's where we're going to be tomorrow and through this week, whether it's work, whether it's school. And for some of us, it's to go on some of these missions trips. Some of you have spent time on, on these short-term missions trips, and you've learned what it means to step outside of comfort zone and to, to, to have to struggle to communicate through another language, through another culture, eat food you're not used to, dress in a way maybe that you're not used to. But the proclamation, whether it's here or whether it's around the world, is always the same. The, the purpose, you might ask, why do we do all, why do we spend that kind of money? Because that is the characteristic of a Christ-centered on-mission church. That's what it means to be the church. The church is sent. The church goes. The church is a movement. And if it stays still, it dies. So that is the call of the church is to go out. So grab your Bibles. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This is the proclamation that you and I are now invited to be a part of. This is what Jesus says. He's he's in a synagogue in Nazareth. He's reading the words of Isaiah, and he's applying it to himself. He says, The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Yahweh, is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That word good news, that's the word gospel. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus makes it pretty, pretty clear that in the wake of the gospel, as the gospel moves forward, these are the kinds of things that should become the norm. That, that there, There's a level of freedom that comes that can only be found in the gospel. That is revolutionary. That, that's revolutionary talk to say that there's this wave that's going to come as the news of the gospel goes out, as the the proclamation of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the way that changes all of history moves forward. In its wake, there is going to be freedom. It's going to be spiritual freedom. It's going to be emotional freedom. And in many cases, in the name of justice and a just God, it must be a a physical freedom as well. And here's the thing. You and I, if we are Christ followers, are the mouthpiece, and we are the hands... And we are the feet of that proclamation. You and I are invited and called to be a part of this proclamation. It ought to find expression in our words, of course, but also in our action. A life that says, I worship Jesus, I love Jesus, and I want to be obedient to Jesus, it it must act. The Apostle James, who is the brother of Jesus, says this. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I don't think it's by accident that that last phrase there, don't let the world corrupt corrupt you. Don't let the world get you so busy on one end that you forget about the orphans and the widows in their distress. He goes on to say in chapter 2 of his letter, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. He's pretty straightforward (laughs) in what he says. And it's not about earning salvation. That's not what's being talked about here. What he's saying is an active faith is the sign of an authentic faith. An active faith is the sign of an authentic faith. Anyone can say, I belong to Jesus, but the proof is in our obedience, right? Any of us who have children who who go out of their way to say, I love you, but then you ask them to do the dishes, and they don't do it, you might be tempted like myself when they say, I love you, to go, no, you don't. If you love me, obey my commands. Then... (laughs) Then I know you love me. That's what James is saying. He's saying, don't, don't just throw it out. Just say, yeah, I'm a person of faith. If there's no action, then you really have some serious questions to ask yourself about your proclamation of faith. Anyone who's been in a stagnant relationship knows that a confession of love is nowhere close to an expression of love. Just to, just to proclaim it is a lot different than to actually actively express Love James is saying, when, when we do the work to relieve the spiritual and physical and po- the, the poverty of others, we are exposing, when we refuse to do that, we are exposing a poverty in ourselves. When we, when we do not work to relieve the spiritual and physical poverty of others, we are expressing, exposing a poverty in ourselves. And... This is the the interesting thing that Jesus teaches us. We actually deny ourselves an opportunity to worship, to love, and obey Jesus when we refuse to reach out to those in need. He says this in Matthew 25. Jesus says, he says when you do these things, he says Jesus says when you do all these things, I tell you the truth, when you when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. There is a a sacramental moment, a sacred interaction taking place when we are actively living and proclaiming the mission of God's favor. And hey, doesn't the world in the chaotic world that we live in does it not need to hear good news for the poor and a proclamation of Of freedom and liberty? See, the acid test in Scripture has always been in the Old Testament, the prophets keep coming to to the people of Israel and the leaders of Israel specifically and going, You're really good at all this, but what about the poor? You're really good at keeping all these commandments, but you fail to help. The poor, and that's where God continues to, to judge people uh, in the Old Testament and say, you're missing it. If you don't deal with the poor, that's the acid test. If, you, if you're not dealing with those in need, you are missing it. You're good on the ritual, but what about the poor? Worshiping Yahweh in the Old Testament, loving Yahweh, obeying Yahweh was, was, was meant to be seen uh, in, in the way that we, we took advantage of opportunity to serve those in need, so worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, obeying Jesus means seeing those whom He created in those whom He created—an opportunity to worship Him and love Him and serve Him. I tell you the truth: when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. There's an amazing mystery in that that we're invited to be a part of. Now, what do we do with that as we come to the the end of our uh, our morning? Speaking of missions and, and trying to, to make it personal, we don't want to just look out there and go, that's beautiful. Look at what all our money did. Let's just keep throwing it out there and, and see if God can continue to do that work. What do we do with that? Well, fortunately, you, if you attend CA Church regularly, then you attend a church that has a heart for missions and has uh, it wants to throw as many opportunities at you to be a part of, of the kingdom work, of the gospel work, of the proclamation of God's favor. We, we have so many missions opportunities that you've already heard, and I'm just going to highlight them uh, one more time for you. We have a Kenya trip coming up in May. Um, and I, you can still sign up for that. Uh, Mexico trip at the end of June. New York is a, a youth one. The Dominican Republic, which is a new one that we've just started doing. Um, so you could be on the cusp of that, and then there's a men's trip in November to to Mexico, a great opportunity to step out of our comfort zone to reach out to those who many are saying the rest of the world doesn't even care about us, and to step into their world. And needless to say, if the rest of the world doesn't. Perhaps God doesn't. <laughs> Who've never heard of the idea that they could be in favor with God and be able to step in and to give them a glass of water, to be, give them give them food, to give them clothing, and to give them Jesus. Those are, the, those are the ones that take a bit more stretching. They take the passports and they take the financial raising. There's a handful of things close by that you were invited to be a part of. So many times I'll preach a sermon and I'll end and I'll often think, man, I didn't give any handles. It's just kind of like a pep talk. I punched them in the arm and sent them off. Today, I'm giving you several handles that you can walk away with and go, I don't know what he wants me to do with that. Okay, missions. Okay, there's that. Okay, this last week or two weeks ago, I was sitting down with someone from the city to say, just what can we do? Like, how can we as a church... Guys, I boast about you guys to the city. Don't let me down. Uh, I, I say, what can we do to serve the city? And he said, well, you know what? We have these, uh, these orientation nights where we bring people in and we kind of tell them this is how you can serve the city. And there's opportunity to go and clean up garbage around the lake or in downtown or, or do gardening work over here where the, and they're going to actually be expanding that garden. So if you can bring like, get 20 people from your church who come to an orientation night and then throughout the year they can just serve in different ways, that would be an amazing way to serve this community. So this is what I'm asking you. (laughs) Over the year, I'm going to be saying, hey, here's an opportunity. Uh, Even things like putting up the lights. They actually have people volunteer to help out with some of that and take them down. I'm going to ask you guys, let's go and be a part of this. After I build you guys up and... Wow, that was really violent. Uh, After I... After I, I, build you guys up and boast about this church community, I don't want to be stuck there with one of those little stabby garbage knives in a bag by myself. I want to be surrounded by the TC Campus Church to serve the community. Okay, so I mean, I would I would say pray about it and think about it, but don't pray about it. You know, you should be serving. So that's okay. And here's the last one, and this is the most concrete, and this is the biggest need we have right now. It's an immediate. Need. As of yesterday, sorry, Friday, we started doing the cold wet weather map program again up at the Mariner campus. Exactly. Woo. And we have clients every night, and think of how cold it is going to be tonight and what it means for people to have a place to go, have a warm meal, have a warm place to sleep, wake up, have another warm meal before they have to go out into the world. We need people to man and woman. Is it, what's the one word? Personate? Okay. So, we, we need people to sign up. So how we've done it is we've divvied it up. So for those of you who don't know what the cold, wet weather map program is, every night during the cold, wet weather map program and each month a different church volunteers. This is our second month as CA Church volunteering to do it. We did December as well. Um, the Hope for Freedom vans will go at different points and pick up clients and bring them up to the campus where we will welcome them in and give them food and give them community and give them a warm place to sleep. This is exactly the language that Jesus uses in Matthew 25. Give them some water, give them some food, give them clothing, which we do as well, and give them love and community and proclaim, you have value. So month of February, we've divvied it up so that uh, the young adults from Ethos are are taking care of the first two weeks up until the 15th, and Town Center is taking the 16th through to the end of the month. If you are to go on there this afternoon on our website and hit the link on the Cold, Wet, Weather, Map program, you will notice that there are many mornings, specifically 5.30 to to, uh, 7.30 in the morning, that have zero people signed up. So if you are a crazy morning person, no, no. If you have an alarm clock, <laughs> sign up for 5.30. That's the requirement. A body, a heart, and an alarm clock. Please, for, for the sake of the gospel, go online and sign up to be a part of it. There are days that are, we have zero people out of six signed up to do it. We have one or two that are full but we have some that have no people, specifically the mornings. So please go on. You can choose a.m. shift, p.m. shift, and make sure it's the 16th and up. Don't be helping the ethos out. They've got plenty. They don't need help. You go, go to, go to uh, the second half of the month. This is an opportunity for you to say that my gospel is going to have hands and feet, that I'm not going to simply vocalize it. I'm going to physically express my love for those whom Jesus loves, that my heart will break for those whom Jesus' heart breaks. That's the kind of community we are called, and isn't it the kind we want to, don't we want to be like Karen Watson, who at the end of her life had no regrets, who said, I have found my greatest joy in being a part of the gospel and proclaiming that gospel to other people. We want a faith, don't we, that cares more than some think is wise, as she said in her letter. Don't we want a faith that risks more than some think is safe? Don't we want a faith that dreams more than some think is practical? Don't we want a faith that expects more than some think is possible? Man, the stories that come out of the Cold Wet Weather Map program, people who get off the streets, get back to their families, get off addiction, and get healed don't we want to be a part of that? We, we, don't, we don't only have to go all over the world for that. There are a lot of broken people in our community. We see them every day. Don't we want to rip the roofs off our house and throw them on the church? To say as she did, I will postpone my comfort in order to worship. I'm going to postpone my comfort in order to love. I'm going to postpone my comfort in order to obey Jesus through serving those in need. See, but the, the, the president of Southern Baptist, he, he had it right. He understands that there are so many things challenging us right now to keep us away from doing the very st- straightforward things that Jesus is calling us to. It is easy to be comfortable, to go home after work, to eat dinner, to grab a drink, to turn on Netflix, to play FIFA night. Oh, shoot, I'm just reading my journal now. I get it. I get it. Right? I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not immune to all the things that would keep any of us from, from serving the kingdom this way. But that if we want to find the joy that, that Karen Watson said she lived her life with, if we want to be a part of this proclamation, it takes cutting things out and saying, I will put those aside to, be, to love, to worship, and be obedient to Christ. I was walking through um, a mall in Surrey last week, and uh, I, I was just heading out. Done, I, I bought what I needed to buy. I'm heading out, and there was a world vision lady there. And they're so good. It's like, see this, Chung? And, uh, you, know, and I, I, you know, I threw my cards on the table. I'm a pastor. Well, my wife and I already have two kids. Uh, I'm, well, not my kids, but like a World Vision children that we, that we support and another uh, orphan from Mexico that we serve. And I, in my mind, I'm like, done. Check my cards. I'm good. And she's like, ah. And in the most loving, non-judgmental way, she said, yeah, we have 100. What? It was non-judgmental. And, and I, I had to be careful because I realized at that point she actually knew who I was. She knew I was a pastor. <laughs> Here. There's always one more. Right? There's always one more thing we can cut out, and there's always one more step that we can take to serve. Always one step further, we can take because as long as there is one child in need, as long as there's one child starving, one person in the cold, one person living outside of the knowledge of God's favor, it's one too many. There is a. Jesus was in the habit of sharing parables because when Jesus shared parables, he did it because he found that eternal truth could be put into, if it could be put into a simple story, it gave people handles to walk away with. We have a, a story that was written that I, I want to share with you. It's a children's story, but it has a lot of impact, I believe. Do we have that up there? We should have it, yeah. One Too Many. This is actually written by a local artist, and she's actually, she actually reading it up at, at Mariner this morning. But I just want to read this, this story to you One Too Many. How many is too many? Shelter, clothing, health care, food, education, clean water, safety, belonging, when it comes to lacking basic human rights. What difference can we make? Oh, I can't read it down there. What more can be done? I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. I will not let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. No one is free if even one is oppressed and has basic rights that are left unaddressed. I believe that's Mother Teresa. As long as there's one who hasn't a floor, a roof, and four walls with a window and door, there's one too many. As long as there's one with no jammies to wear, no soap for her bath, and no brush for her hair, there's one too many. As long as there's one who is sick and in pain and hasn't the treatment to get well again, there's one too many. As long as there's one without any food, no veggies or bread, no meat to be stewed, there's one too many. As long as there's one with no water nearby and his land and his garden and well are all dry, there's one too many. As long as there's one who's forbidden from school but instead has to work with a hard, heavy tool, there's one too many. As long as there's one who often gets hurt, mistreated, and teased, and pushed down in the dirt, there's one too many. As long as there's one who is only alone, no friends, no family, he's never been known, there's one too many. But when one turns toward instead of away, the math turns around in a powerful way. As long as there's one who welcomes a guest with a warm place to sit and a safe place to rest, one turns to two. As long as there's one with a nice second pair who sees that they're needed and chooses to share, two turns to three. As long as there's one who hears a friend's cough and waits for the nurse till the fever cools off, three turns to four. As long as there's one who offers a dish and not only gives but then teaches to fish, four turns to five. As long as there's one who finds water to drink and then pipes a path from the source to the sink, five turns to six. As long as there's one who opens the way to read and to write, to learn and to play, six turns to seven. As long as there's one who steps in and defends and bravely ensures that the cruelty ends, seven turns to eight. As long as there's one with a heart that is able to welcome the lonely with a place at the table, eight turns to nine. When one turns to two and three turns to four... The load is not held by just one anymore. It only takes one who addresses a need until one by one, everyone has been freed. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. God of grace. Scripture makes it clear. You make it clear to us, even in our day-to-day. It is not for a lack of need that we do not serve. It is because of a loud world. It is because of an adulterous heart that seeks satisfaction and seeks self-pleasure. And so it's my prayer for myself first and for this, your church, that you would grow in us, explode in us, a love, a desire to serve To reach out to those who are poverty stricken, whether it be financially, whether it be physically, emotionally, or spiritually, and say, In the name of Jesus, I will serve you. In the name of Jesus, I will proclaim dignity to you. I will proclaim the Lord's favor to you from now until He comes. So, God, where there is, where we have uh, not allowed this this desire to take up residence in our heart where we have refused to let your spirit chisel away at us i pray jesus that you would speak very firmly very caring very lovingly to us this morning and as we leave this place i wait i pray we would do so realizing that as we leave this these doors we are heading into the mission field that you have thrown out in front of us so whether it's to home to our living rooms to work to school this week. May we proclaim the good news. May we we be ambassadors of the gospel that God is calling people back to himself. And may we do so not only in word, but also in works and in deeds this week. God, I do pray that you would fill up the numbers for the cold, wet weather mat program, that we could have a great showing to serve these people who are who are feeling lost and forgotten so that we can feed them, clothe them, and give them dignity in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray this. Amen.